there's handouts, but that's, that's not new. This is, I think, the last week of this lesson that we've been going through. How to study the Bible. Lesson three, the proper procedure for interpretation. So, um, we're wrapping up. We're towards the end here. We're, we're around page, I believe. Um, we'll jump back real quick and talk about, there were some, some R's. What were the R's, you guys remember, about how we can interpret the word? I think there was four of them. You gotta read it. You gotta read it. Okay? That's actually not number one. But I like it. Do you remember which one was that? Number two. Number two. You gotta read it, which is weird, right? You think, what comes before reading? You guys remember? So, sometimes we can be behind if we come in and we start reading it without having decided to do what? Receive. Receive it, yeah. I okay. Receive it. So, what did that mean? What do we, what are we saying when we when we say someone needs to have that posture of receiving before they read the word? What do we mean by that? I want to summarize. Remember an example. Maybe taking it as it's given. Like understanding your place where you are receiving it from the Lord, there's kind of a posturing where you are under it. Yeah. Right? There's a couple different postures, right? So when we receive it, right, we have the reader is underneath the authority. Right? Whatever the word says, right, then our purpose is to receive that teaching. We're coming to the word expecting that. God's will and who he is and his truth is contained in the word and we're there to receive that truth. Alright, the opposite posture would be that, you know, the reader is going to come and determine and create the meaning by looking into the word. And that the ability to determine what is true or not is based upon the ability of the individual reader. And as I read it, I have to look at lots of other sources and compare them and, and analyze them and be critical, right? And try and determine what, what the word actually means based on my abilities to read it. So we, we want to receive it, read it, and then when we are reading it, um, before we get, what's the third and fourth one? There's some other things. Reflect on it, right? And usually, right, this order is important. It's hard to reflect on the word if we haven't read it. But sometimes we can just read it to read it. And it's maybe our time in the morning, we just read the word, and we go on. Or we read it, read a chapter to our kids, and then we go on. But what, what, was, what, what made reflection a bit different? How does reflection go beyond just, just reading? Then you're able to tie it into your life and different things that you go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so when you talk about tying it into your life, we're actually getting into that last one, related. Right? So how how does what we're reading uh, relate to our life? Okay. <coughs> and so all these are parts of interpretation. And when we get to um, one of the last things we want to talk about is 
the different um, genres. So if you're on, if you're in the handout, I believe that starts the bottom of page nine, right? We're talking about application here, and so. I was reading an article this this morning about um, the genres, and it, it kind of gave it just our example of uh, uh, someone who sits down to read a novel in the evening. They're reading it, what they're looking forward to, and a little bit later, their child comes in with a storybook, and they open that up, they read through that. Um, then the next morning, they get up, they read the paper going through the paper, looking at the stories for the day. Um, then maybe they have a couple of proposals for business and that they have to look at to consider which option to go with. And so we're used to reading text that has different purposes. It, has, it comes from different reasons. And we read them differently. Um, so let's kind of look at what's the first um, genre here that we see. It's one genre. It's... Uh, Sometimes these are these are split up, but we're looking at historical what? Yeah, and so when you when you think about these, realize that they're two R's or one R. Two. two narrative. Thank you. So some right there's there's very there's some diverse ways. Some people are very very like they've got tons of different genres. Some people are just well, there's two or three types. So you could say there's history, or there's <coughs> but we're looking at historical narrative. So this is where they're getting a factual historical account of events. So can you guys think of some examples? What would be some examples of historical narrative? Acts. All right. right. They're just recording the history of what happened in the early church. Mark. What's that? Mark. Mark. Okay. And we're going to see that some of these right, may fit into more than one genre, too. Okay, a couple more. Any old, old Testament you can think of? James. <laughs> that was great. What were the Genesis. Genesis. Okay, Exodus. All right, that's that's good. So there's lots of you Okay, okay, you guys are great. So there's lots of historical narrative, and I think one thing that challenges me sometimes is that originally when people were talking to me about genre, I was like, this whole book is one genre, and this whole book, and a lot of times there's different genres contained within the same, same book. And so um, those are giving us a historical account of actual events, and then we move into law, okay? So what is a book that has the genre of the law? Within it. This is talking about the commands and standards to govern the people of Israel. Much care could be should be taken before we apply the law to present day age. So this would be like Leviticus. 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 Yes. Deuteronomy. Yeah, Deuteronomy. Parts of Exodus. Right. So we can see some overlap. Right. We can see that their Exodus contains both. And Leviticus and Deuteronomy as well. You talk about the account of Nadab and Abihu and different historical events that are happening in the midst of giving the law. Alright, and then we've got poetry wisdom. Sometimes people say there's poetry books and there's wisdom books, or they kind of group those together. So 
poetry and wisdom, what would be something in there? Oh, good. Poetry, <laughs> wisdom. Yeah. Psalms or songs, right? Some in Job. What else? Proverbs, yeah. Okay. Yes, Ecclesiastes. They're really good. They're awesome. You've had a class. So, um, right? There's a little bit more, um, and when we talk about genres, looking at, for example, Proverbs or the Psalms, you can start to notice that uh, the genre is somewhat clear because of its structure. So there's things like parallelism, where you've got these verses that are grouped together and they um, both reflect on you know, the same point. Or you've got repetition or refrain in the Psalms, where you've got um, give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever, and it's repeated throughout, throughout, over and over again. Um, and then we've got, what's next? No prophecy. Prophecy, yes. Prophecy. You're, you're thinking ahead, right, because of prophecy. <laughs> prophecy. And so some people will look at prophecy just as one, or sometimes they'll say there's, you know, Old Testament that prophesying what's yet to happen, and you've got apocalyptic talking about. So we've got things like Revelation. What else do we have that contains prophecy in there? Yeah. <coughs> Isaiah. Where's the I go? A-I-A-H. Is that right? Okay, I'm a great speller. <laughs> Revelation, Isaiah. Daniel. Daniel, yeah, I like that's a great example because Daniel includes historical narrative, right? And it's somewhat blocked off almost. You've got a lot of narrative and then you've got a lot of prophecy. Right? And so you've got then the whole section of prophets, right? The prophetic books. <laughs> Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and all the way up. And so when we look at prophecy, uh, sometimes we're looking at, um, they, they could also kind of blend in with there's some poetic uh, imagery going on. There could be things that are symbolic. And so knowing when we're looking at Something, whether something is symbolic or whether or not it's something that's representing a literal representation. So is the dragon the real dragon? Those type of things. So then we've got, what's next? Gospels. Then the Gospels, right? And so the Gospels are much like um, kind of a specific type of narrative, right? The key thing is what's the, what makes them stand out. Yeah, Jesus is at the center. And so... Oftentimes, um, we'll see that there is much more in terms of actual teaching in the Gospels versus historical narrative in some of the other books. Whereas, um, we'll see that there's some verses that tell us that, you know, this historical narrative is giving us examples to learn from, to, that this happened for our good, that we, we might learn from these things. Whereas, in the Gospels, we're learning about Jesus and his teaching. So we've got his life and teaching kind of linked together. And uh, and then what's our last general category, genre? Personal epistles. You've got to be great. Right? Epistles or just, the, like, these are letters. Okay. And so who wrote a lot of these? Paul wrote a lot of these, right? So we've got Paul writing, for example, 
you know, Romans, Corinthians. <coughs> and on and on and on, right? Lots of letters. And and so each of these, right, when we look at these structured letters, um, oftentimes there's like a specific occasion to a reason by, that, that it was written for, a specific purpose of something that's being addressed. And it's um, oftentimes has a similar kind of shape to it. One thing I thought that we could look at is some verses that deal with kind of the purpose behind uh, some of these books. And so let's look at... Um, a couple of verses. I need some people to help me look them up. So, someone want to get um, Ro Romans 15, verse 4, and then somebody else, 1 Corinthians 10, 11. say for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope so Paul's talking about the things that were written formerly right they're written for our instruction and for our encouragement that we might have hope and then 1 Corinthians 10 11 somebody have that one Um, now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Right. So, what were the these things? Can anyone right? We want, where where would we find what he's talking about? This is a reminder of our study. We look at the what? The context. All right. So, what were the these things that he's talking about? Far back should we go? They got an idea. One through five. All right, we want to go ahead and read that. What's one through five? For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers are all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, for most of them, God was not pleased. They were overthrown in the wilderness. Great. Okay, so what book does that sound like? Exodus. Exodus, right? And so he's talking about the purpose of Exodus and giving some explanation as to, right? Now these <coughs> things took place as examples for us. Okay? Um, so that's like when we talk about historical narrative, a lot of times we want to make sure that we don't confuse it for something like, for example, an epistle which is telling this is how we ought to live versus this is what happened. Okay? One common example when that might happen is sometimes um, unbelievers, well, the Bible um, endorses uh, lots of marriages. Right? Why? Well, in the Old Testament, these, they had lots of wives. Yeah. Right? And I've heard it said, well, if you think that, if you read that and think that's an endorsement, you really don't know how to read in general, because of all the things that you see with those, those narratives. So we want to make sure that we're understanding that th this narrative oftentimes gives us examples to learn from of how life happened. Um, what about the law? Let's look at Deuteronomy 29. Go to, we need 
go to Deuteronomy 29, 29. So we're towards the end of Deuteronomy. We've had the blessings for obeying the law, the curses. So, someone read there. Deuteronomy 29, 29. <clears throat> the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us, to our children forever, that we may do all these words of this law. So we see, what's one purpose of the law? Do it. Yeah, that we would do it. Right? The law reveals to us how we ought to live. Can anybody think of uh, any other purposes of the law? A hint is maybe something in the New Testament that... Why do we, what's another reason we have the law? Set them apart. Yes, so there was a lot of laws that set Israel apart from the other nations to make them a, a nation of, of priests, right? Yeah, that as well. Galatians 3.24, the laws become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. So the law wasn't just to tell us how to live, but also, right, it reveals that we can't live as we ought, right? It points us to the person of Christ, okay? What about, um, let's go to the Psalms. What about the Psalms and the wisdom books? Let's go, what's our, what's our Psalm that we usually would go to if we're talking about the purpose of the, the word or the book? 119. 119. Let's go to Psalm 119. I thought, if, would someone want to read that psalm for us? <laughs> okay, maybe not the whole thing. Maybe not the whole thing. So maybe uh, verse 9 and verse 105. Let's hit a couple of those familiar ones. <clears throat> Your word is lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. And so in the wisdom, right, we get a lot of observations about man, about God, and how God and man relate, about how people relate to one another. Um, what are some topics, let's say, in Proverbs that are addressed? Discipline. Disciplining of children, disciplining in general. What else? Laziness. Laziness, right? Mm -hmm. What's it like if you're lazy? What's it like if you work hard? Mm -hmm. Being up here with correction. Yeah. How do you respond to being corrected? Proverbs is, is a great parenting book, by the way, for, for sure, right? Because And why, right? First of all, it's written from a father to his son, right, to explain and to teach, you know, this wisdom about things that he's observed. Has much to say about the tongue in our words. Yes, right. That's right. So it gives us examples and an explanation. When you speak this way, right, a soft answer turns away wrath. But harsh words like bars of iron. And so... We get in the wisdom books, and we also get, you know, much of what we, what we sing, um, is comes from those psalms. They're linked to those psalms of David or his, um, 
worship leader, I think, uh, ASAP. And so it has that specific pur- purpose of directing our heart and our affections back to God, to rejoicing in the true things of what he's done, who he is, what he's like. Um, what about, let's see, let's talk about the Gospels. Can we get, let's go to John 20. John chapter 20. And I believe it's verses 30 and 31. Here we go. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So he did, he did a lot of things that aren't even written down, but these were written, why? What was it? That we may believe. And that by believing we have life in his name. So the purpose of the, the scriptures there, right? The purpose of the gospels is right, it's to help us to believe that Jesus is the Christ. And so they weren't written just as a historical account solely, right? They were written that we might believe. So there's a certain persuasive aspect to the Gospels. Um, and then think about, let's think about maybe the epistles. What, what about Colossians? You guys might know this one. Colossians 3.16. <coughs> I'm just Colossians 3.16. It's one of the letters. Dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Yeah. So it's was to dwell in us richly, and it gives us the ability to teach and admonish one another in wisdom. And we were singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, so that as that word dwells in us, right, it gives us instruction on how to teach and admonish. One another. And then maybe, maybe one more. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3. You can't skip this one. 2 Timothy 3. And we often quote 16. Let's go to also um, 14. So Paul's writing to Timothy. And starting in 14 to verse 16. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay. So when we think about those genres, right, that gives us a, uh, and the purposes, it helps us to understand what to expect when we come to the Word of God. It, can you think of any any um, purposes for which maybe sometimes people come to the the Bible and that's not really the purpose of scriptures like what are some purposes they might come to look for look for something in the Bible that that's not really the purpose for which it's written 
They're looking for something that says, it's okay, God approves of what I'm doing. They can have different and moral motivations. In way, mm-hmm. that's not what it's for. Yeah. Yeah. They might treat it like chicken soup for the soul. It's just a compendium of inspirational quotes. Mm-hmm. And whichever, whatever it happens to say on a given yeah. page, it's, just, it's for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. So in this case, he saved others. He cannot save himself. So that's what I just pointed to. It must be for the Lord. Uh-oh. Right? Right? That's right. You just I mean, I, as a non-Christian, I mean, I would mm-hmm. have a Bible and I'd just like close my eyes and mm-hmm. just rotate the Bible multiple times and put my finger in it, and that was like my verse. It's like a magic eight ball. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. Can you guys think of places in scripture, <laughs> places in scripture where like it's giving an instruction that's it, knowing the context, it's absolutely wrong. Like the person that's saying it, they're saying something that's false. Where like you could read it and be like, oh, that's interesting, right? Where do we have people making statements that if we were to read it, it says something about man or God, but that's not actually what? Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah. So, like, it's these people in the Bible. There's this narrative, right? You've got Job's friends saying, this is what's happening, right? This is why it's going on. That's not really what's happening. Did God really say? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you got the snake. So you have all these narrative events where people are making comments, and if we just open it up and, oh, wow. Right? We need to understand the, the context and the purpose behind. I think another one, too, is um, like when we think about it, it's written so that we might believe there's a, a great deal of um, history, and like especially when we think about Genesis, there's a lot of history of the, the creation of the world. But the purpose of that is not to understand the details of how that all worked out. So it gives us some explanation into how the creation worked, right? But to understand what it looked like and to be there and experience all the details of that, to kind of have that natural study of how did the first tree, did it grow up, did it disappear? That's not really the purpose behind what's going on there, right? And so sometimes if we go to the Bible, we have to be content with saying the purpose of it is written, that we might believe and that we might know God and understand Him. And when he does talk about historical events, it's accurate, but it, it wasn't written predominantly and primarily as a re- resource or a history book or a textbook or any of those reasons. So um, one of the things that we can do um, is after we kind of get familiar with uh, different genres as we read through, let's say we're reading through a book. One, one of the last things we want to talk about is like some tools of how we can understand a book as a, as a whole. And so one of the things you can do, if you've, if you've uh, ever done this in maybe like a language arts class, right? You read something and you write an outline, right? If you're going to give a speech, you write an outline, right? So what are things that you're looking for that you want to include? Or how would you go about writing an outline? What are you looking for? You want main headings, right? That help you understand. And what's important about those main headings? Should I just copy down the... You know, the first chapter, that's my first heading. It depends on what you're doing, like if it's main points or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're kind of summarizing. Okay, so you're getting main headings. And then 
as you go through, right, you're trying to see how those headings fit together, right? What's the flow, right? So one of the things in your, your notes handout there, you've got, you know, the standard outline is the following format. You need at least two of each point. So you got like a capital a Roman numeral one and a Roman numeral two at least, right? A couple points, right? If there's just one, you don't really need it because it just describes everything. So if you've got two different things, you can have those different points. And then you can continue to break it down more and more specific as to how they fit underneath each one of those topics. Right? Um, when you summarize, try and do it somewhat succinctly um, in a sense that we don't make a, a bullet point but three sentences long. Right? We want to try and summarize it so the whole purpose is to get the overall idea and then break it down into smaller pieces, how they fit together, okay? So if you guys have done any outlines in, say, your personal study or maybe many of the Bible studies we look at doing outlining, what are some of the things that you gain from looking at or yeah. either writing your own outline or looking at someone else's? How does that help? It helps show the, the logical flow of the argument, so it's how the reasoning is working mm -hmm. itself out. Yeah. You know that this is here because later it's going to get to this, which is leading to a certain conclusion. Mm -hmm. I kind of see it as, like, especially in a narrative, um, often it's like a, a play where you have mm -hmm. scenes and acts. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of easy to kind of, like, just see how it is presented, and, mm -hmm. and and it's not necessarily an argument, but it just shows you, you know, unfolds how he's telling the story. Yeah, like you think about Moses, and you've got, you know, growing up as a childhood yeah. in the in the in the palace, and then you've got he's in the desert, mm -hmm. right? And then you've got he's leading the people out, right? So there's yeah. different. Or Joseph would be another example of that. Yeah, that's all one continuous. Yeah, and you've got like half of Genesis, or a huge chunk of Genesis, devoted to this story. It's got the plot, the characters, of Joseph, his brothers, his parents, that are helping you understand how everything fits together. And so sometimes that outline helps you see what's coming next, how it all fits yeah. together. It's a lot of the childhood stories we had. Yeah. Like Noah. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's helpful to, to keep us from getting focused on minor details. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's why I like reading other people's <coughs> outlines is I'm pretty visual. So mm -hmm. I like to see like this thing I'm looking at, is this like a subpoint of a subpoint? Or mm -hmm. is this like or is it the main, the main right. And other people's outlines help me to see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you'll I think that's one thing where it sometimes will cause you to like one thing is that with, with our, most of our Bibles have already, you know, been outlined. They have chapters mm -hmm. and they have headings a lot of times on. And it might, sometimes you miss, some, I've missed something because an argument is like two chapters combined. Mm -hmm. And you're just assuming there's a break right there. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is a different chapter. When really it's flowing. And so when you see that this point is say, you know, middle of chapter two to the middle of chapter four, it all flows together a lot better. And you kind of read them through um, in a much better way. And it also helps us just, again, understand when, so for example, when in James, when he's talking about um, faith and works, 
the purpose of the letter and the context of those verses and the context of those um, chapters, when you kind of outline it, understand the purpose and who he's writing to and what the purpose was, it gives you a greater context to say this is why he was writing that and this is what that means um, versus when Paul is talking about how you know we're saved by grace and not by works and what was the purpose of that letter and why was it structured that way. And you can see how they fit together. So things to look for right, when you are doing these outlines are contrasts. So that's a very common thing that we contrast light and darkness. right? We, we're contrasting things. Looking at lists. Just think of some, some lists that you've seen in scripture. What are some lists? Ephesians, okay. oh. Ephesians chapter 2. Which gives a list of? Uh, the, the ways that the uncircumcised were separated from God. Mm. All right, all right. Lots of things. I think the book Base, of numbers. <laughs> and what were you saying? Oh, I was just, I know it's kind of grim, but you know, those who will not inherit the kingdom of God, and then he kind of gives the list. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got like lists of the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the flesh. What love is. What love is. The qualifications for elders and deacons, right? You got a list of these things. Ten Commandments. That's a big list. <laughs> I feel like the book of Numbers is like one giant. <laughs> yeah, and the great thing about lists is it's a it works. Our brains are created where it's like we it helps us to put things together and understand how that these all fit together as a type of or part of this one idea or this one category. Um, okay, examples and supporting points. So these would be great when you're looking at um, the scriptures. They tell you that some some fact, and then they list an example of this. You know, so that we are this way, so that we're not like so and so, that we are like these who have gone before. So you think of um, in Hebrews, right? You've got examples, right? What chapter do we see a lot of examples? Eleven, Hebrews eleven. You've got lots of examples, and so. You may have a heading there over that, and then you give listing out lots of different examples. And then uh, one thing that helps, and and I think we we're a lot uh, times we're trained to do this, and but to look for the wording that seems to start maybe a new section, right now, right or therefore or um, you know because of this. Right? So it's taking what's been done. And one of the common things that we see a lot of times, I know that um, in our Friday morning study, we look for sometimes there's this example of the indicatives, right? So the author will say, this is what is true, right? And then move to the imperative. So because this is true, this is how we ought to live. And so understanding the, the difference and when that transition takes place helps us to know, um, you know, Sometimes we might confuse those, and maybe something's an indicative, and we think we're being told to do something, when really it's just saying, this is done. It's already true. Christ has done this. And then our role is to then act on that. Okay, here's your assignment, if you want an assignment. You guys do, right? I always ask my kids when I come in, who wants a homework assignment today? Uh, okay, well... Every once in a while, you get one kid. I do. Everyone's be quiet. <laughs> so one good exercise would be look at the book of Titus, 
right? Think about what its literary genre would be. Outline the book. So think through, right, as you're reading through it, what are the major themes, okay? So a good place to start, right? You could give maybe a title for each chapter, right? Chapter one is about this, chapter two. Um, maybe as you go into those chapters, there might be multiple parts, multiple paragraphs. So maybe subheadings based on what each paragraph's through, right? And then once you've kind of gone through and outlined it, maybe you've read it a few times, think about trying to find or give a short one sentence description, what's the purpose of the book? Okay, you read through it, a lot of times that can be a very helpful exercise. If you're getting ready for a Bible study and you're gonna study a certain book of the Bible, as you're preparing in the days, weeks, months before, read through it multiple times, thinking about what is the purpose of this book? Why was it written? Because that's gonna help color and give you an understanding as to what each particular part means. Um, an analogy I think of is that if you think about a vehicle, right, it has a very specific purpose. It's to transport people from one place to another. And that gives you an understand, right, and understanding each part. Why is this part here? Well, it's to help me move the vehicle, right? If it's air conditioning, what's the purpose? It's to cool it off. It has a specific purpose, and so why is it being used for that? What is it, what, what's it doing? Why is it there? And we included for you, I believe, an appendix. Is it there? Oh, it's Jude, right? So the Epistle of Jude, if you look at the back, it gives you a short little outline. And with the epistles, we didn't really mention this, but the epistles kind of follow a very, um, almost all of them have an opening, a greeting, a body, and a closing, right? And so understanding you know, where those things are happening, what are you looking for in each part? So then in, in Jude, you've got this call to contend in verses three to 16, and notice how those first four points, those four points on the 3 to 16, they're breaking down individually what is the specific call. So there's contend against the faith of the false teachers in 3 to 4. Then it moves to warnings from history. Then it moves to characteristics of the false teachers and the final judgment of the false teachers. And then once that section is over, it kind of wraps up with this call to persevere. Right now, there's I believe at the end there's been a doxology the last couple of verses, and then if you look right, looking through all of that, what is the purpose? Well, he's writing to believers who had false teachers coming into the church, and he's writing to uh, warn them, to encourage them, to persevere in their faith, and how to react and how to treat these false teachers. Okay, and you can see there's different themes that you run into the themes of how to identify and what's true of false teachers, uh, how to persevere and be preserved the judgment in the last times. So all those things kind of come through so that when you read Jude, that comes in your mind, okay, this book is, this is who it's written to, this was about, and we kind of have an idea. Can you think of any, um, one, I guess one question I have is, any particular book where the purpose, knowing the purpose or coming up with an outline has really helped to shape the way in which you read and interpret that book. Any Bible studies that you can think of or personal studies? I'll give you an example. When I, when I started to study, um, read the Proverbs, uh, thinking about parenting, it used, I think, early on I didn't really understand the genre and I was reading it more like 
either an epistle, like it's commands and promises, do this, this will happen. God's commanding that you do this. And not realizing that a lot of it was observational. Mm -hmm. If you do this, this will tend to happen. When you act this way, this will tend to happen. And understand it's more about patterns that my kids can start to understand. Well, this tends to happen when you do this, when you act this way. Otherwise, it's like, does this count as a rug? <laughs> that's right. That's it's right. It's a two by four, but is it really a more circular? You know. Yes, I, it's been a number of years, but I remember after I was not teaching this Sunday, but it, we were teaching about parenting, and this verse about it, it. You know, he who spares the rod hates his child, and and in the class, one of the well, is it? Can it be a spiritual rod? You know, like is it really a rod? And, <laughs> So, and the teacher's like, well, the text seems to say there's no indication that it's some metaphor for something else. And so, just my takeaway, I remember, it seemed like they, they were coming with a preconceived, right, the, don't spank, no rod under any circumstance. So they're like looking for a way to, it's got to mean something else. Okay. Other, anything, other books where like knowing the purpose, outlining it has helped. had an outline for when I started going into Acts on Monday night. So that was mm -hmm. that was already laid out and that was really like that was one of the first Bible studies I've ever done and it mm -hmm. just was had all these questions and it really helped focus in on what happened in Acts and mm -hmm. there was a lot that went down. Yeah. <laughs> I was like this is very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I can think of that one for sure. Okay. I think that 1 John um, 5.13 is given the purpose as I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So then as, you, as I read 1 John, I'm looking for the answer. How, do, how can I know that I have eternal life? Mm -hmm. If someone's questioning if they have eternal life, look at 1 John and see what it says because that's what it's telling you. Mm -hmm. So there are other things there. That's one of the main things to be looking at. So it shapes right. how I read the book. Yeah, that seemed, it would also seems to give you insight into like where to point people, like what they ought to read would be helpful. They were struggling to know whether or not they were believers. Like when you understand a lot of Paul's letters, like Colossians, Romans, mm -hmm. Ephesians, has like theology, like the indicatives first and the imperatives second. Mm -hmm. And how one kind of feeds the other. I mean, I think that's just super helpful even in a counseling perspective how Paul starts with who you are and what's true mm -hmm. before he gets into how to apply it so I think sometimes seeing just how he mm -hmm. makes his argument is really interesting and uh, I'm wondering so are you saying that it helps you understand the how to read that but also like <coughs> has it affected the way in which you yeah I mean counsel? You, you see his technique mm -hmm. and it's all true but it does but it's also interesting to see how Paul tries to reason with his audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a persuasive and a walking through a logical. Yeah. <coughs> mm -hmm. I think when we studied the book of John, John's always seemed like just kind of the random gospel. Like yeah. it has some stuff and not it's different others. from the Yeah, um, but when you see these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of the Living God, and believe you may have life in His name. It's seven signs and seven teachings, mm -hmm. and it's why you should believe. Like you know, His power over nature, His power over the body. So it's like, um, 
the things that prove who he is, and then it's his teachings and the content of what you must believe about him. So when you study it knowing that, you know where you are in the argument. Okay, Why is like he telling this, is, this story? Okay. He's telling this story because it shows his power over nature. Mm -hmm. or How does this, why is this miracle followed by this yeah. explanation? Right, this teaching. teaching. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Other things? Good. Uh, what are we doing next? Thing. Observations. Observations. So okay. Be a little bit more practical. Okay. How do yes. you do it? So we'll probably get the get the slides out. Get the slides out. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we were doing. This is I don't know how long ago we were doing observations, and I was practicing. And this is what not to do, right? So like make an observation. So like I would read and then say. <laughs> The First Timothy is uh, chapter four. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. All right. So I'll say, okay, I'm being charged in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Right. So d we're going to go beyond just writing down word for what, word what, what they already said. What they already said. Right. <laughs> so that's we need a little bit more than mm -hmm. just that. Just that. So hopefully this has given us uh, the ability to like come to the text with a pretty good uh, grid of like what we should be looking for as we start to study. And then this is gonna kind of zoom in on that part where we're really reading and preparing yeah. to reflect on it. So as we read, I know that's something where um, as you get really used yeah. to this, you might be in a Bible study conversation where a person will read through something and they'll say, well, it says, and they'll say, well, does it really say that? Is that because it seems like there's some, yeah. they'll paraphrase and all of a sudden there's new words there, there's mm -hmm. assumptions, there's all kinds of things that are being brought in. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to um, pray for us. I think there, the conclusion there, if you look, it's important that when we approach the word, that we submit to the word, right? That we receive it as it stands, we don't stand in judgment over it, and that we do it with humility. I think that's one of the key things is that. If we're going to understand the word, we have to come to approaching it knowing that it's going to correct us, it's going to teach us, it's going to admonish us. And as we derive the interpretation, we're always looking for what did the author mean? What were they saying to that original audience? And then what does that mean for us? And that's going to be kind of how we go on throughout the rest. So let me pray for us in our discussion today. Lord, I just really thank you for your guidance. I thank you that... You live within us, that the Holy Spirit guides us. And I just confess to you many times, coming as a student into, a, into your classroom, not knowing what to expect, um, being unsure of how I might um, understand or find the meaning of Scripture, and being thankful, just eternally thankful daily, for the way in which you enlighten us and illuminate the Scriptures. And I pray that each one of us would come seeking to give our best effort and to put in the work of reading and reflecting and studying your word. And help us to do that um, with total dependence upon you, knowing that with all of our walk, we are, it is both you who work in us to will and to do your good purposes. And so I pray that as we go um, today, we continue to be able to worship you and to draw close to you as we 
sing and as we hear your word preached and as we take communion. And I pray that in our personal time of study that we could begin to continually work out um, with fear and trembling our salvation. We ask this in the name of your Son, 